Today on Building in Faith with Pastor Ed Jones. Building in Faith. God sends a guardian angel to keep you in all your ways. When we get to the end of the journey, we're going to be able to see all the time, all the times that God stepped in. See, God tells us that we are called to serve Him and serve Him in holiness and righteousness. He'll enable us to do that. I'm so grateful that He does that. Reaching up high with arms open wide we see You're changing our lives so we can be our hands and feet It's been said that God's commands are God's enablements. What this means is that if God has commanded you to do something, He has already given you the power and ability to carry it out. Today, Pastor Ed will be encouraging us to have faith that God has given us the power of the Holy Spirit to strengthen us for any task He has called us to do. The Bible says, Not by might, nor by power, but by my Spirit, says the Lord of hosts. Now here's Pastor Ed with today's edition of Building in Faith. blessed because of what has gone on before us, but those who will go on after us will be blessed because of the promises that we're standing on, because of what God has spoken to us, the blessing that the future generations, if our Savior tarries, will be because he promised and he fulfills every one of his good promises. God fulfills it. God remembers what you forget. Could you picture Zechariah? Decades had passed. He wasn't even thinking when the angel Gabriel came to him and said, God's answered your prayer. Now what have I prayed? God remembers what you forget. You may have forgotten a prayer that you prayed five years ago, ten years ago. 20, but he hasn't. He remembers the prayers that you prayed in the secret closet or rushing just to go to work, driving in your car, simply crying to God. He hasn't forgotten any of those. He remembers. Our God is a promise-keeping God. Now, we all know to lay hold of that promise, to take a hold of it, it can be hard. Our faltering faith, like Zechariah, sometimes the angel comes, the word comes, and yet circumstances rob us of the confidence, shake our faith. God enables us to take hold of his promise. That's what Zechariah says in the text, that God enables us. He prepares us to receive his promise. How did he do that? Little boy 
was formed in the womb of Elizabeth that would one day become a man, that would call a nation to a relationship with God, to return. The text in verses 76 to 77, Zechariah is referring here at this moment to his son. And you, my child, will be called a prophet of the Most High, for you will go before the Lord to prepare the way for him, to give his people the knowledge of salvation through the forgiveness of their sins. God was preparing this young man to be a prophet, to be a spokesman, to bring and turn people around so that they would go towards God. Oh, our fallen nature pulls us away from God. Our fallen nature again and again pulls us away. But again and again, God sets up the serendipities. He sets up the circumstances, even like he did for Jonah. God's always preparing something, preparing some event, some situation to remind us of who he is. He he follows us all through life. He is truly the hound of heaven that never loses our scent, that never loses our tracks. There, Jonah runs from God, but God prepares a wind, sends it on the sea. Then God prepares a fish to swallow him. Then God prepares a plant when he's outside the city of Nineveh to give him shade. And then he prepares a worm to eat the plant. And then he he had prepared an east wind. I mean, God's all the time trying to turn Jonah's heart towards him. John the Baptist was preaching a message of repentance to turn back to God, to remember, he's calling. I think of um, an old professor, he's with home, he's home with Jesus now. He was back at Zion when I was a college student there, his name was Dr. or Brother Hockhausen. Brother Hockhausen taught theology, and I could still remember him saying, all sins are connected to one sin, the root of every sin, unbelief. He was quoting the theologians. He was thinking about how all sin is connected to the one sin, the sin of not believing God. Oh, we just go by what we see and what we feel and what we hear in the natural. Uh, We're so prone, so bent by sin to go by what we see and what we hear and what we feel rather than believe. It's hard for us at times, as it was for Zechariah. But God is reminding him, turn, turn, turn. What's God asking you to turn from and turn to? He'll send his John the Baptist. He'll send his word. Dorothy Sayers Describe repentance in this way. She said, repentance is another way of saying that the bad past is to be considered as a starting point for better things. I like that. So God comes to the nation through the prophet. He comes to the people of God. Lay hold of the promise. Promise given to Abraham. Promise spoken to David. Promise spoken through the prophet Isaiah and all the Old Testament prophets. Lay hold of that promise. Jesus 
came to this world for us to be our Emmanuel, God with us, to be our Savior. And repentance is not just at a time when you accepted Christ 5, 15, 20, 30 years. It's not just for the crisis moment. It's, it's not just when you fall flat on your face. No, it's a lifestyle. When you come into the presence of God, the sins of commission, deliberate areas where you've disobeyed, the times where you disobeyed and you didn't even know you were disobeying because we are so impacted by the power of sin. The great student of revival, Richard Owen Roberts, said, repentance is an ongoing process. One must be forever repentant. It is not enough to once feel sorrow over sin. True repentance affects the whole man and alters the entire lifestyle. It's a way of life where we search our hearts, where the word searches us, where the spirit searches us, where we have times of deep brokenness in the presence of God where he does surgery deep in our soul. God said, I want them to have the promise. I want them to lay hold of the good promises I've made. I'm sending John the Baptist, and he is going to preach a message of repentance. John says, behold, the Lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world. Ha, that's for you, that's for me, that's for all of us. He is the promised Savior. So God enables us. He prepares us to receive that promise. But it goes even, gets even better. Because those promises are absolutely incredible in Christ. That cross, that sacrifice, that Savior is absolutely beyond description. See, God is a promise-keeping God, and the promises he gave us are mighty. God fulfills his mighty promises. In Luke 1, it says, he raised up a horn of salvation for us in the house of his servant David. Now, that horn of salvation is referring to the strength of an animal. It was considered, its strength was in its horn. It's obscure in the NIV. It's, it's not things that we are familiar with and talking that way. And the New Living Translation paraphrases that or translates that this way. He has sent us a mighty savior from the royal line of his servant David. Yes, he has sent you a mighty savior, a powerful savior, a savior that is stronger than anything and everything you will ever face. See, this God... Our God saves us from all of our enemies. In verse 71, Zechariah sings and prays, salvation from our enemies and from the hand of all who hate us to rescue us from the hand of our enemies. I know, I know. The commentators would, some of them would try and say, well, he was talking about the political powers to be the strong hand of a Roman empire. Well, I don't know, maybe that's some of their, in there, but 
The Holy Spirit was speaking through Zechariah. Zechariah was under the unction, and I think he was speaking for God. And I think for God, it's a minuscule thing. The nations and the powers of this earth. The real battles are the spiritual battles. The real battles are not just the decisions of men who have a fallen nature, but what's behind and what instigates and what motivates from the powers of darkness. See, we're living in the conflict of the ages. We're living in a tremendous battle that's going on between heaven and between hell, between good and between bad, between the powers of God and the powers of darkness. Those powers would want to cripple you physically and maim you spiritually. But he's come to deliver you from your arch enemy, Satan. And Paul the Apostle is a prime example. He was going to Rome as a prisoner, but he was going to Rome, a, a lifelong ambition to be a witness for Christ, to stand before the Roman officials and government. On the boat, God gave him a word, said a storm is coming, we ought not sail. We're going to be in danger if we do. But the captain listened to the um, sailors, listened to the seafaring men, and they set out. And sure enough, a storm came, and their lives were endangered. Uh, Let me just read to you some of the verses. A terrible storm raged for many days, blotting out the sun and the stars until at last all hope was gone. No one eaten, had eaten for a long time. Finally, Paul called the crew together. Men, you should have listened to me in the first place and not left Crete. You would have avoided all this damage and loss. But take courage. None of you will lose your lives, even though the ship will go down. For last night, an angel of God to whom I belong and whom I serve stood beside me and said, don't be afraid. And he tells them, you're going to be able to get you to your destination and no life would be lost. See, there are those times where Satan would snuff out your life. You were ready to walk and cross the street and you just suddenly stopped and a car whizzed by. And all the while, the angel of the Lord had his hand out holding you from going across. Uh, There are times that you would have went this way, but you went that way. It was just a change in a moment. There was a time that you were delayed and you could have been in that accident again and again. God sends a guardian angel to keep you in all your ways. When we get to the end of the journey, we're going to be able to see all the time, all the times that God stepped in. See, God tells us that we are called to serve him and serve him in holiness and righteousness. He'll enable us to do that. I'm so grateful that he does that. But the scripture says in uh, Matthew 6, 13, I'm reading from the NIV and then the New Living Translation. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. That's the NIV. The New Living says, and don't let us yield to temptation, but rescue us from the evil one. Again and again, 
God rescues us. And again and again, he protects us. But he enables us to serve him. See, in, to rescue us from the hand of our enemies, to enable us to what? Serve him without fear, in holiness and righteousness before him all of our days. You know, we live in a world that's hostile to God. And its hostility is not diminishing but growing, especially in these United States. Notice at Christmas time, no public display of manger scenes. I mean, you even have to be careful in public. In any gathering that's a public gathering, if you mention the name that's above every name, the name for Christians that is the focus of Christmas, the name of Jesus, it's an offense. It's an evidence that man is in rebellion against God, that there is this hostility towards God. And when you or someone or our culture is at war with God, they're going to be at war with one another. You notice the hostility even on the media, the hostility between uh, political groups, the hostility between workers and employers. Uh, there's this growing sense of tension. And why is that? Because man is a civil war. When he's in rebellion against God, he's in rebellion against his creator, his designer, his maker, and he's a walking civil war. And God said, in that culture, you can live a holy life. A life separated unto God. A life where your all is on the altar. Where He's using you for his divine purposes in a world that is running from God, going far from him. He said, you will serve God in holiness and then in righteousness. The idea of righteousness is you'll be right before God and before men, doing God's word, doing God's will, following his ways. Our blessing is seen in both the holy lives and the righteous lives we live. Free to serve him. Oh, Satan doesn't want you to serve him. He wants to distract you. He wants to sideline you. He wants to cause you to stumble. But this Savior came so that you could do what you were created to do. You could do what you were made to do. You were made to worship, to glorify, to serve the living God. That's what our Savior's come to do. He said he came to enable us to serve him. He came to rescue us from all the powers of darkness. And this God, our God, who is a promise-keeping God, came to guide us into the paths of wholeness, righteousness, and peace in the paths of peace. In verses 78 to 79, because of the tender mercy of our God by which the rising sun will come to us from heaven to shine on those living in darkness and in the shadow of death to guide our feet into the path of peace. 
There may be hostility all around you. There may be wars breaking out on your left hand, on your right hand. But like the psalmist said in Psalm 27, the Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the strength of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? What God is saying is you're going to be able to walk in the paths of peace. The angel's message was peace on earth. Now that didn't mean an end to wars, an end to conflict, but it meant in the heart of everyone who comes into his kingdom and recognizes him as king of kings and lord of lords, there would be a peace in their heart that passes all understanding. A peace that reflects wholeness. In the text it says to shine on those like the rising sun. It's like the early morning sun. Ever watched the sunrise early in the morning? How beautiful. If you're by the ocean or you're uh, looking over the landscape, suddenly to see that sunrise and its rays come in. He said, you're going to sit in my presence and you're going to feel the warmth of my healing power to heal the brokenness, the woundedness, the bruises. See, in this present world, we become broken, we're bruised, we're hurting at times because we live in enemy territory and we experience the fire of the enemy. We experience the crossfire of the powers of darkness. And in the midst of that, God said, wait a minute, son, wait a minute, daughter. I'm like the rising sun in the morning with healing in its rays. You just sit and bathe in my presence and those wounds will be healed. Those pains will be alleviated. In the words of Malachi the prophet, but you who revere my name, the son of righteousness will rise with healing in his wings and you will go out and leap like halves released from the soul. Uh, God is saying, Jesus is like that sun in the sky that will rise and that warmth and healing power. It's the peace of God, the shalom, the wholeness. Come out of God's presence. Come out of God's presence. And you may have been in a battle, you may have been in a war, you may have been in a conflict, but when you come out of his presence, there is a sense of wholeness and healing. There may be pain in your body, but there'll be wholeness in your soul. There may be conflict all around you, in your home or extended family, but there is a peace that passes all understanding because the Prince of Peace reigns within you. He brings healing. And his rays, healing for the hurting, for the broken. And he guides every step of the way. Maybe like Zechariah, it's a long time you've been praying about that situation or that circumstance. Maybe it's months, <laughs> maybe longer, maybe, maybe years, maybe decades. God is faithful to keep every one of his promises That which he has spoken, that which he has promised, that which he has said, he will do. Just ask Abraham. I didn't see all the promises, but they're coming true. Just look at your life. Because God promised me 
you and future generations would be blessed. We've all heard the cliché phrase, Jesus is the reason for the season. But the question is, is He? Is Jesus the center of your life? Or is Christmas just one of the two times during the year that you visit the church? Are you part of the body of Christ? During the Christmas season, there are many opportunities to stop and reflect on the greatest gift of all. But like all gifts, it's only enjoyed when you receive it. The important part of this season is being sure that you have a personal relationship with Jesus. Are you ready for the King? Have you received the upward call? We'd like to invite you to join us at Faith Assembly for worship on Sunday mornings at 9 and 11 a.m. or Wednesday evenings at 7 p.m. For driving directions and more information, log on to buildinginfaithradio.com and follow the link to Faith Assembly. Or feel free to give us a call at 845-462-5955. That's 845-462-5955. Well, that's all the time we have for today. You've been listening to Building in Faith with Dr. Ed Jones. Pastor Ed Jones and the entire congregation here at Faith Assembly would like to wish you a Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year.